Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day to every single one of our moms. It's a great day to be a mother. Now, listen, I know that this is a bit of a sad day, Mother's Day for a lot of people. Honestly, it's kind of a sad day for me. This is my third Mother's Day without my mother. My mom went home to see Jesus March the 2nd, 2018. I miss her every day. And so Mother's Day, I understand, is a little bit of a, a sad day for a lot of people for a number of reasons can be kind of a reminder of loss. Uh, For some of us, we didn't have a great relationship with our mom. It's a reminder of that. For some of us here, we'd love to be moms, and maybe we're never going to get to be. And so I I realize it's a sad moment, and I have prayed for each of you this week for that very reason. But I do want to do what God does, and that is bring value and honor this amazing moment for mothers specifically, because the reality is godly mothers have the power to shape their children's lives spiritually and impact generations eternally. That's why God puts so much honor on motherhood, and I want to do that today. Moms have been given an amazing opportunity to impact eternity, not just their families for time, but specifically a family tree that has the power to stretch clear beyond time, clear into eternity. I know that's what my mother did for me. Listen, there would be no Pastor Phil without this lady right here, a lady named Judy. Uh, There would be no Phil Hopper had there not been a Judy Hopper, and I don't mean just physically. It's true. If she wasn't here, I wouldn't be here literally, but beyond just giving me physical life, she is the one that spoke so much spiritual life into me personally that modeled so much about what it means to be a person committed to mission and ministry of our Lord Jesus. And so today, I want to talk personally about how my mom uh, impacted my life and the life of my siblings and the life of her grandchildren and even great-grandchildren spiritually. She impacted generations to come, I'm convinced, eternally. And that is true of another man by the name of Timothy. Timothy in Scripture was one of the early church fathers. He was a pillar of the early church. He was a personal disciple of the Apostle Paul and became a personal friend and in some way a spiritual son in the faith to the spiritual father we know as the Apostle Paul. And I want you to see that his name means something very specific. Look at this. Timothy's name means honoring God. And as we look at Scripture and the clues that the Bible gives us in the New Testament, what we learn is that it was his mother who taught him to honor God. It was undoubtedly his mother that gave him this name at his birth, honoring God. And it was his mother all the days of his life that raised him and taught him how to honor God. Timothy, you see, this man the entire world remembers, this man known in church history as one of the great pillars of the faith. We never would have had a Timothy without a lady most people have never heard of by the name of Eunice. And this is what we learn in 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul actually wrote two letters to Timothy. This is how important this man was to the early church. Timothy, a younger man that was being mentored by this older man, the Apostle Paul. Timothy, his protege. And Paul, while he's in prison, actually writes two letters in the New Testament called First and Second Timothy. And look at what he says here in the letter to Timothy, his second letter, chapter 1 and verse 3. He opens up his letter like this. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience 
as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Do you see this clue we have of why Timothy became who he was? Listen, Timothy was what he was because his mother was what she was and his grandmother was what she was. You see, Timothy is a part of a legacy of faith. And ladies, that is the awesome opportunity of motherhood to leave a legacy that lasts far beyond your time and stretches clear into eternity. You remember that every time you're about to go bananas and you're about to go berserk, having been quarantined for weeks with a house full of little kids that are going crazy. And every single time there's a diaper to change and every single time there's another snotty nose to wipe. Listen, you remember that the real opportunity God has given you is beyond what you can see today. There's something beyond what you can see physically. There's something far more important that God wants to do in your family, through you spiritually, that will last forever in eternity. You see, Timothy's faith was part of a faith legacy and a faith lineage that had been passed from his grandmother to his mother and then to him. And this is the goal of parenthood, whether you're a father or a mother. It is to pass on the faith to the next generation. It's to pass on the faith, not just to your children, but to their children and their children and their children. And that's what we see modeled here in Timothy's family. Now, here's what's amazing. We learned from Acts chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, that Timothy was a son of a Jewish mother, Eunice was a believing Jew that became a follower of Jesus as the Jewish Messiah, but his father was Greek. He wasn't Jewish. And presumably, his father was either irreligious or in all probability, he was a religious pagan. And so you have Timothy being raised by an unbelieving father and a believing mother. And I want you to see the influence of his mother in his life when he just as easily could have followed the ways of Rome and the false gods of the Roman pantheon. He instead followed the true and living God, the God of his mother, the God of his grandmother. Now listen, that did not happen accidentally. I want you to understand as as parents, uh, as a mother or a father, Nothing good happens randomly. I'll promise when you shoot for nothing, you will hit something. And it won't be what you wanted to hit. We have to know exactly what are we shooting for, right? The the Psalms tells us that our children are like arrows in the hands of a mighty man. Listen, an arrow has to be shaped, it has to be aimed, and it has to be released. Now listen, if you don't shape that arrow, meaning your children, you will release one day a crooked arrow. Uh, If you don't have a proper aim, you will hit something, even if you don't hit the right thing. But even if you're aiming at the main thing, if you haven't shaped that arrow properly, it will never have the opportunity to hit exactly what you wanted to. It will always fly crooked. It'll never fly straight. That's the nature of children. So we have this responsibility to shape our children, then aim our children. And I want you to see eventually we've got to release our children. And that gives us this amazing responsibility as parents from the time they're born in infancy to the time they graduate and leave 
leave our homes forever in some capacity. It's a short season of opportunity. We need to leverage it every day, not randomly just trying to get through the day, but thinking intentionally. Listen, I've said many times, there's things I say over and over again. I admit it, all right? Things I'm gonna say over and over again till the day I die. Listen, good parents give their children attention, but great parents give their children intention. And some of us, listen, we're aiming for the wrong thing. Listen, the goal of parenting, if you're a Christian and you wanna raise up children to know and love Jesus and live for Jesus in this increasingly wicked world, listen, the goal is not just to raise good kids. The goal is to raise godly kids. Listen, sometimes we're dissatisfied if, you know, we've got teenagers that aren't going crazy and drinking and doing drugs and, you know, not, not getting thrown in jail. Well, I've got a good kid. Uh, that's good, but good is not the goal. Listen, if you're raising children, godliness is the goal. We want them to be more than good people. We want them to be godly people. And that clearly was the goal of Eunice. Timothy's mother, to raise him up to honor God, to know God, and to honor God with his whole life. And she gives us a phenomenal model to follow. And I want to talk about that today. How, as a godly mother, can you raise up your children to intentionally know and love God, to be godly, like Timothy, to honor God? Well, there's several things. First of all, we can see that Timothy's mother led him to the Savior. All right, Timothy's mother led him to know Jesus as the Jewish Messiah, the prophesied one, the promised one, the anointed one. He didn't get there all by himself. Uh, we have another clue here in this letter uh, to Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 says this. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood... You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice something. Timothy could have turned to the false gods of Rome, the false gods of his father, who was a Greek, but he didn't because of the influence of this godly mother in his life. He turned to the true and living God. And eventually, the true and living Son of God, the prophesied one, Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, he became a follower of Jesus. Now, this ought to encourage any mother that's trying to do it alone. Uh, and a lot of us that are listening are single moms. And listen, I don't ever want to minimize the role of the father, but this isn't Father's Day, okay? It's Mother's Day. And God has given fathers an enormous role in the life of their children. In fact, I think one of the biggest problems we face as a nation is the over 40% fatherless rate that we face right now as a society. 40%, over 40% of American children being raised apart from their biological father. That's a big, big deal. Listen carefully. But I want you to see, even if that's your situation, and you're a single mom trying to do it by yourself, this ought to encourage you. You've got more challenges than God ever intended for you as a single mom. Uh, you, you've got more hurdles, more mountains to climb with your children than God ever intended. But I want you to see, you can do it. God will give you the grace. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the ability to deeply influence your children to know and love Jesus, even if they don't have a believing father. That is the influence you have as a mom. Hey, there's something special about a mom, all right? Men love their dads. Like my dad is 80 years of old. Guess what? He's still my daddy, all right? Uh, and, and I love him deeply. And there's so much of what I am came from who he is. 
Hey, but there's something special about moms. There just is. Think about this. Uh, you, you watch maybe the end of a football game. It's a big, big game, right? And the, the clock is winding down. It's the end of the fourth quarter, and the, 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 the camera starts to pan the sidelines of the winning team, and then it stops on the star player, and all of a sudden, that player looks up, sees the camera on him, and you see him mouth the words as he's waving. What does he say? Hi, Mom. Yeah, he says, hi, Mom. <laughs> There's something special that moms have in the life of their sons and daughters. You've got an amazing opportunity as a mother to deeply impact your sons and daughters to know and love Jesus. And the number one priority, whether you're a father or a mother, is to introduce your children to Jesus. Uh, Listen, the days are over of basically subcontracting the spiritual development of your children to the church. That was never the biblical model, yet it somehow has become that in this late hour of churchianity. For far too long, what has happened is families have dropped their kids off at the kids' wing and basically subcontracted the spiritual development of their children to somebody else. We want to partner with you, but we do not want to replace you. Listen, the church should be a supplement, but not a surrogate. The church should be a reinforcement, but never a replacement. We've got amazing tools to help you introduce your children to Jesus, help them to grow in their knowledge of the Word of God, help them to grow in their walk with God through all the years they're in your home, whether they're a part of Journey Kids or whether they're a part of Fusion Student Ministries. We're going to partner with you, but I want you to see that nobody can do it like you. Nobody can replace you. The number one place children are introduced to God and the true and living God and grow to love God and walk with God is not in the church house. It's in your house. And this is what happens here in the life of Timothy. He is introduced to the Savior by his mother. Now, the second thing is this. Timothy's mother taught him the scriptures. She didn't just introduce him to the Savior. She then taught him the scriptures. She was the first influence in his life. She was the first kid's pastor Timothy ever knew. And we know that once again from this letter Paul writes to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3, he says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures. Here you have this godly legacy in the life of young Timothy. It began with his grandmother, it was passed into his mother, and now his mother passed it on to him. And he learned the holy scriptures. He learned the word of God from his youth, not because he had a godly father, uh, not because necessarily he went to the synagogue every day or went to seminary, probably not. There's no record of that anywhere, that he ever had any formal training. But he had a mom that knew the word of God that intentionally poured the word of God into them. And we need to recognize this. Listen, whatever you put in a child's heart the earliest is that which goes the deepest. I mean, from the moment that little one is born, their heart is being shaped. And I want you to see that as the family pastor, in some way that's what a parent is, uh, you're more than the one just to put food on the table and try to control the chaos, all right? You are the family pastor, the shepherd. What are you doing as a parent? You're trying to shape their heart and shepherd their heart. So much of parenting is just behavior modification. Here's here's the problem with that. Behavior modification works when they're little because you're bigger than them, all right? But I'm gonna tell you, it doesn't work at all when they get bigger. 
See, it's always about the heart. What are you doing to shape that child's heart? What you put in their heart the earliest will go the deepest and last the longest. And we live in a world that is competing for the heart of our children. We live in a world very much like Timothy was raised in. Timothy was raised not in a godly society, but rather an ungodly society. He was raised in a Greco-Roman society. You know what Greco-Romans believe? First of all, they are pluralistic theologically, exactly where we are now as an American society. There's not one God, there's many gods. It doesn't matter what God you worship, just choose a God. Any God will do. All roads lead to heaven. Does that sound familiar? That was the world Timothy was born in and was raised in and lived in. But instead of following that tradition that said any God will do, just pick one, he found the true and living God because it was his mother that made sure he was introduced to him. But she didn't stop there. After introducing him to the Savior, the Son of God, he began to grow in his walk with God because he was learning the Scriptures. As you grow in your knowledge of the Word of God, you are growing then in your walk with God. And that is what happened to Timothy. And that's why he was prepared when he met Paul to go on his first missionary journey. That's why he was prepared when he met the Apostle Paul to enter into a life of full-time ministry. He already had the spiritual maturity. Uh, He was in preparation years ahead of time because he had a godly mother, he had a godly grandmother, and they taught him the scripture, and they began at the earliest age. Listen carefully. If you have a baby, it's not too soon to begin. Uh, You may think they're not listening, they're not hearing. I'm going to tell you, as you are praying over that little one, something supernatural is happening. They might not even understand yet what you're saying, but as you pray for them and you pray over them, something in the spirit realm is happening, I promise you. As they begin to grow, as you begin to read them those bedtime Bible stories, listen, you are putting the truth of God's word deeply embedded in their heart, and that which you put in them the earliest is that which goes the deepest, And it's the truth that begins to shape their heart. The truth of God in this age of deception, in this age of distortion. And they are being deeply, deeply shaped by what you put in them in the earliest days. So uh, I drive by my old house every day on the way to Lee Summit from where I live. We moved to a different house about five and a half years ago. But we lived in this one house and actually built it, lived there for 10 years before we moved. And as we were building this house, they were pouring the driveway, and our children were still just very small. And like a lot of families, some of you, we took our kids out to the driveway right after they poured the concrete, and they pushed their little hands into that concrete in the driveway, and they wrote their names underneath their handprints. Well, guess what? It is still there to this day, and we don't even leave the, uh, live there anymore. The new family in their driveway every single day drives over the handprints of my children that was there years and years and years ago. Now, I want you to see, it will still be there years and years and years from now. Why? Because there was a moment where that concrete was shapeable. It was moldable. It can be deeply imprinted with anything that you put on it. And that is the nature of a child's heart. When our children are young, they have a heart like concrete. When it's new concrete, it's, it's being formed, it's being shaped, and whatever goes in the earliest will shape it the longest. 
It will last because it's been there in the deepest. And I want you to see what happens, though, is over the course of time, and it's not very much time, that concrete begins hardening, isn't it? And eventually, what's there is there. There, There's no retracting it. There's no retrieving it. There's no reshaping it. That's the nature of the human heart. And that is why if you wait too long to try to shape a child's heart, it's just trying to do then what God wanted you to do today. Do it now. Don't wait. And that concrete is finally shaped, and there's no removing the handprints. When you try to remove it, guess what? It breaks. And that's really what God is teaching us here through the life of Timothy, that his mother taught him from the earliest of days, and that which goes in the earliest lasts the longest because it goes the deepest. That which you put in them first stays with them forever. Guys, I can tell you personally, as a child growing up in a godly home, I had a mother very much probably like Timothy's mother. I'm going to tell you something. I had truth embedded in my heart deeply. And there was a time that I began to be the prodigal. I began to stray away. I began to walk away from the faith and walk away from God. Now, there's different types of rebellion, all right? When I was a teenager, uh, I'm not proud to admit it, but I was what we call today a rebellious teenager. And for me personally, listen, I was too smart. There's two types of rebellion, in-your-face rebellion and under-the-radar rebellion. I went under the radar. You know why? Because I knew my mom was tough. And uh, it would not pay for me to go through her, so I just went around her, okay? But here's what I have learned. I came full circle. And the reason I came full circle is I could never outrun the truth. Everywhere I went, I took the truth with me. The truth had been deeply embedded in me from the earliest of ages, in fact, my, my, my earliest memories, when I would get out of bed as just a little bitty boy, my earliest memories would be getting out of bed, coming in the living room, and there was my mom every single morning in the very same place with her Bible wide open and her Bible full of notes that she had taken, studying her Bible, spending time every morning in prayer and worship and study. Listen, and there was a little boy watching Even at a time when I think I I didn't care, that it didn't really matter, somehow it was still there. And I want you to see that which you put in them first, it stays with them forever. And like Timothy was what Timothy was because his mother was what she was. Listen, in some ways, I'm convinced I am what I am because my mother was what she is and what she was. You see, you have a power to deeply shape Not just your children today, but who they will become forever. I want you to remember, begin giving them a biblical worldview and godly values even while still in infancy. Don't wait. Start immediately. And then it's an entire process from the time they're born to the time they graduate and leave your home. And uh, and it's having an intentional plan. If you don't have a plan for your children, it's time to get one. And just loosely speaking, listen, in the early years, you need to protect them. And as they get older, you need to prepare them. In the early years, you need to protect them so that you're the gatekeeper. You're the one that knows exactly what goes into their heart, exactly what goes into their mind. Remember, there's a battle for their heart, a battle from their mind from the moment they are born. And that which controls the heart 
of the man or the woman will ultimately define who they are and what they do. And so in those early years, if you have little ones in the house, you're the gatekeeper, you need to protect them from the external influences of an ungodly world. But listen, the goal isn't just protection. Because if all we do is protect our children, but don't prepare our children, we will raise safe children, but we won't raise strong children. What we're trying to do is raise up children who are strong in their faith, that don't just play it safe. And so the goal isn't just to keep them behind the four walls of your house and never let anything bad happen to them and never let any bad influences come in. In the early years, yes, protect them. But by the time they're hitting about fifth, sixth, seventh grade, it's time to slowly start opening the gate and let them start exercising their spiritual muscles against the external forces of the world. And once again, you're the gatekeeper. You've got to be the one to decide how slowly or how quickly to open the gate. And it's not the same for every child. As a mom and a dad, you've got to be discerning about how much and how fast. But if you have a plan and you're being intentional, you are preparing them as they get older through those teenage years to not just play it safe and be safe and stay safe, but be strong for Jesus in this increasingly godless world. Listen, last week, Chad had this amazing message. You remember that on Daniel? and how Daniel and Babylon succeeded. Listen, we live in a Babylonian society. What does that mean? Our society is turning from the true and living God and turning to a worldview of false gods. We're not becoming a godless nation. We're becoming a nation of many gods. Uh, It's a pluralistic system that we're facing very much like Timothy was raised in personally. Now, your children can succeed and you can too, but I'm going to tell you when it says in Daniel 1 and verse 7 that Daniel purposed in his heart not to eat the king's meat or defile himself with the king's delicacies, that didn't happen accidentally. We don't know anything about Daniel's mom and dad, but I guarantee Daniel had prepared him to live successfully in Babylon. And we live in this Babylonian society, but I'm going to tell you, we can raise up a generation of Daniels who purpose in their heart because they've had a mom and dad that's helped shape their heart with the word of God and shape their heart to stand for the things of God with a biblical worldview and godly values. But the earlier you begin, the better. Now, listen, we don't stop there. I want you to see 3 John 4. This is the goal, ultimately, of every single parent, mother or father. John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, he was speaking here of his spiritual children. But I think the principle is true of our physical children. The goal is one day that they don't just follow the truth because they're in our house and it's the house rules. No, the goal one day is that the truth God has given us, we've now given them, and that truth has become their truth. So now they're following Jesus, not because they have to, but because they want to. And I have no greater joy than this, than that my children walk in truth. Remember, truth is as much caught as it is taught. Listen, children may not always do what they hear us say, but they will do what they see. It's crucial that we as mom and dads don't just say it, but that we show it, that we live it, because truth is as much caught as it is taught. Now, one last thing is this. We know that Timothy's mother modeled Christian service. 
She led him to the Savior. She taught him the scripture, and she modeled Christian service. Look at what it says in Acts 16, verse 1. Then he, that's Paul, came to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. I want you to see, Timothy had this great reputation already before Paul ever got there because he had a mother that modeled Christian character. He had a son now that was modeling the character of his mother. He had a reputation. He was well spoken of. And he was what he was because she was what she was. And friends, I'm trying to tell you, there would be no Pastor Phil had there not first been a lady named Judy. (laughs) Uh, I am what I am because my mama was what she was. She wasn't a perfect lady, by the way. Our kids do not need to see perfection. They can see through that. They don't need to see perfect people, but they need to see real people. They need to see a mom and dad that's genuinely pursuing Jesus Uh, not acting one way on Sunday and a different way on Monday. Uh, They need to see a mom and dad that's honest enough, transparent enough that when we blow it, we're willing to admit it. You see, that's what they need to see. My mom wasn't perfect. Don't, Don't misunderstand. She was not a perfect mother. There is no such thing as a perfect mother, perfect father, perfect family. Uh, I'm telling you right now, we had our own dysfunction as a family. We had our own chaos as a family, every family has some level of dysfunction, I'm telling you. Uh, my mom was very emotional. She could blow a gasket occasionally, and you probably would too if you had four kids in the house all under the age of six, <laughs> all right? And some of you have recently. You know who you are. All right, but I'm telling you, it's, she wasn't perfect, but she was genuinely godly, and because of that, she modeled Christian character. She modeled true virtue. She modeled true integrity, and there was a little boy watching. There was a little boy watching, too. And I want you to see that this ultimately means that there's a, an opportunity for us to model ministry. A godly mother models ministry for her children, always serving God and always serving others. Guys, I'm telling you, I had no idea as a little boy I'd be a pastor. I never wanted to be a pastor. Uh, I thought for sure I was going to grow up and play in the NFL. That was my plan for my future. And even up to the time I was about 20 years of age, I still didn't have any idea what I was going to really do with my life because my only plan was to play in the NFL, okay? I never saw beyond 20 years. Had no idea I'd ever be in the ministry. Had no idea I'd ever be a pastor. But you know what? God knew all along. And what I did not know then is what I know now. I was in preparation for the ministry all the years I was growing up watching it modeled by my mother. God called me to be a shepherd. Guess what? My mom was a shepherd all the days of her life. She taught Sunday school from the time she was a teenage girl. She was teaching the word of God to children. Years and years later, she would have a ministry to women. She would teach Bible study and minister to women uh, all over South Kansas City. For 30 years, she would minister to women. As a little boy, some of my earliest memories was to hear a knock on the door at all times of night. My mom would answer the door, sometimes well after dark, and there'd be a lady standing there, tears rolling down her face, Judy. (laughs) My mom would bring her in, and they'd go sit down with a cup of coffee, and I'm a little boy, you know, only half paying attention, but I remember now my mom ministering over and over again to women that were hurting. 
I have this memory in my mind's eye of my mom when I was just a little bitty boy. Guess what? I'd see her on the phone. Over and over again, this would happen. She'd be on the phone, and and I had this, this somehow understanding that she was ministering the Word of God, what we call today counseling uh, people, um, but she never had a degree in counseling, or she'd be preaching to people, and she never went to seminary to preach, but, but she had this amazing ministry of ministering the Word of God and shepherding people, and these, of course, were the days when the phone was attached to the wall. I know, it's hard to believe. These were the days where you had to do like this to dial the phone. I know, this is like a long time ago. But there was a couple little boys in the house, and you know, mom would be on the phone, and that would always be the opportunity to go crazy. And my mom, she would be on the phone uh, ministering the word of God. You know, a couple little guys are going crazy and being a distraction. And, you know, she's attached to the wall, and we knew she was attached to the wall. And we realized right away, though, that she had two missiles. And I have my memory in this day of my mom, while she's on the word of phone, taking off her shoes and slinging them at us, telling us to be quiet. (laughs) I'm telling you, she wasn't perfect. And as far as I remember, she never actually hit us. Uh, But she uh, was a better and better aim every time. Listen, we live at a time where we emphasize a child's self-esteem. I want you to understand something. I grew up in a home where we're not allowed self-esteem. All right? I grew up with self-confidence, but that's not the same as self-esteem. When I grew up and a child had too much self-esteem, it was called being too big for your britches. And if you started acting too big for your britches, I had a mother that was going to bring me back down till my feet was on terra firma. All right, see, but part of the problem is we don't talk to kids like that anymore because we're so worried about hurting their self-esteem. Did you know that social science has proven kids that are raised with too much self-esteem actually lack self-confidence? See, self-confidence and self-esteem are not the same thing. I'm glad I had a mother that did not listen to the latest child psychologist, but rather listened to the Word of God. And what the Word of God says in Philippians 2.3 is, let no one do anything with selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, that's humility. Let each esteem others better than himself. You see, we've completely turned this thing around where we teach children to esteem themselves rather esteeming others better than themselves. And so we teach kids that society ought to revolve around them. The world ought to revolve around them. It's all about my self-esteem in this selfie society. So we raise children that are self-centered, self-focused, and selfish instead of other-centered and selfless. You see, I had a mom that knew the difference. I remember coming home from high school one day. My sister and I both came home at about the same time. Of course, we went to a public high school where we were getting a Babylonian education and learning. We got rights. (laughs) And I remember to this day coming home and my sister announcing to my mother that we got rights. (laughs) And I'm telling you, we learned right away that when we came home, We didn't have rights. (laughs) We had a right to air, food, and water. (laughs) And what we learned, though, is not to be about our rights, but about doing what's right, about honoring God and serving Him and serving others before seeking to honor self and make it all about us. I thank God that I had a godly mother. You see, mothers model ministry 
for their children, always serving God, always serving others. I want you to know that some of you, you have a prodigal son, you have a prodigal daughter, and you know, moms by nature, dads too, are prone to guilt. What could I have done better? What did I do wrong? Listen, I've got three adult children. I'm so thankful. If I could say one thing I'm thankful for, I'm thankful that my three adult children have grown up now to be godly adults, young adults that are walking in truth, not because they have to, but because they genuinely want to. You see, like Timothy, I was a part of this godly legacy and this godly lineage of passing on the faith to the next generation. Somehow, by the grace of God, it appears we accomplished that. Now, I've heard it said, you don't know how successful you have been until you have grandchildren. See, the goal is to pass it not just to your children, but then to their children and their children. That's the blessing. The song that we sang this morning, this amazing song that really captures the essence of Exodus chapter 20, verses 5 through 7, of the blessing of generations and the generational blessing that we pass on to our children and grandchildren and even great-grandchildren. That is what I hope to live long enough to see, like my mother lived long enough to see that family blessing passed on, not just to her children, but her grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But there had to be some moments that she wondered, God, what did I do wrong? Because there was a time Pastor Phil was anything but Pastor Phil. He was just a rebellious, selfish kid by the name of Phil. And years later, I actually kind of debriefed with my mom a couple of times, like, Mom, you remember when I did this as a teenager and you did this? Like, I would have come unglued. I would have, like, grounded me for the next 20 years, but you didn't. And I remember her saying once, well, son, there came a point where I realized that you were beyond my reach, that you were going to do whatever you decided to do, and there was nothing I could do to change whatever decision you made and whatever you were going to do. So I I just began to pray. And I'm convinced now that my mom literally prayed me back to Jesus. And I wish I had the tape I could play. I didn't have the presence of mind at the time to keep it or save it. But about 2008, 2009, somewhere in that season, I asked my mom on Mother's Day, to come share her testimony and share her story with our whole church. It was the first time I'd ever heard this story. I never knew this till then. My mom had begun like a Proverbs 31 wife to uh, do what she could to add to the family finances and help provide, and she'd gotten a part-time job at Park Lawn Funeral Home here in town, and she was selling funeral plots and funeral plans. I remember her sharing with our church at the height of, you know, my rebellious year, 16, 17 years of age, that she began to cry out to God. And one day she said she drove to the center of that cemetery where there was nobody else around and it was completely quiet. And she began to cry out to God on my behalf. She began to petition God for her son. And it would be years before God would answer that prayer, but he heard her prayer. He answered that prayer. And the prodigal son one day came home again. And I say that to encourage you because it 
breaks the heart of every mom and every dad to see their son or their daughter walk away from the faith, follow the things of the world and the wickedness they're in. And I don't want you to do this. I want you to never underestimate the prayer of a godly mother for her children. Never underestimate the power of your prayers. When you don't feel you can do anything else and when you're convinced they are beyond your reach, they are never beyond the reach of God. It was my mom's last birthday and I had a sense it was probably her last birthday. We were all gathered at my sister's house. One of the most precious, valuable things I have is this moment to hang on to because it captures the essence of this message this morning. It captures the essence of that song we sang, the blessing, the blessing of God upon a family of a godly mother and a godly father that has passed that godly blessing on to his sons and daughters, to her sons and daughters, their children and their children, and then their children were all gathered in this one space. And there's my mom with four generations of her posterity in this living room on a Sunday afternoon. Okay, you guys can send your picture and video to me, okay? I want to get out of the way. All right, ready? How old are you, Mama? How old are you, Mama? 74. You got to let us sing first. Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Mama. Happy birthday to you. There's also uh, ice cream in the freezer if you want ice cream to go with it. Vanilla and cookies. And I, didn't get, I didn't do the video. Oh. Oh. I got you mine. <laughs> I got it too. I just now saw it. Well, thank you for breaking the news. Are you done with the video? I can get you a new one. Tell me what you want. I got a little Happy birthday, Mama. Thank you, honey. I love you. Love you. And I love you too, Mom. I am what I am because you were what you were. Thank you for passing on that family blessing a legacy, and a lineage of faith that will stretch beyond time into eternity. And I want to pray for your family right now that God would do in your family what he's done in mine. Not a perfect family. Trust me, we've got our own dysfunction. No perfect people, no perfect place. But a family God has blessed by his grace. Let's pray for that blessing of God 
upon all of our lives. Jesus, I pray for every mother right now under the sound of my voice. God, they would not grow weary in well-doing, for you promised in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And I pray, God, that family blessing would be passed on for generations to come to our children, to our grandchildren and their children and their children. Lord, you promised upon thousands and thousands for those who love me. Lord, help us to pass on the faith of the living God as Timothy's mother and grandmother passed it on to him. And we know him today as one of the great pillars of the early church. I pray that you would raise up pillars in our day, strong in their faith, to pass it on to the next generation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. I love you all very, very much.